This is the Michael Easley In Context Podcast. For more information, go to michaelincontext.com. And now your host, Dr. Michael Easley. Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson is a courageous, outspoken critic of civil rights in America today. Raised without a father on a plantation near Tuskegee, Alabama, during the Jim Crow era, Peterson has lived part of America's history few have experienced. After a spiritual transformation, Peterson founded Bond, B-O-N-D, a nationally recognized nonprofit dedicated to rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man. Also the founder of the Bond Leadership Academy, a private school in Los Angeles. He's a talk show radio host, speaker, author of Scam, How the Black Leadership Exploits Black America from Rage to Responsibility. He writes a weekly column for WND.com and appears on many media outlets, including the Fox News Channel, CNN, and other networks. We're delighted to have Jesse with us today. Jesse, it's great to have you on the program today. Thanks for your time. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, one of my heroes is Walter Williams. And when I saw that he had written an endorsement, Americans, particularly black Americans, cannot afford the luxury of allowing there to be a monopoly on ideas. I'm pleased that Bond, and we're going to talk about Bond, is in there to break the monopoly and present the ideas of black Americans so long ignored or demeaned by the traditional civil rights establishment. Jesse, that's a mouthful and a lot in what he's saying there, but let, let's start with the civil rights movement. In your story, uh, you you grew up in a plantation. I did. I grew up on a plantation down in uh, Alabama, near Tuskegee, Montgomery area there. Uh, my parents and their parents and their parents were born there and they worked the plantation. Uh, I lived, I grew up under the Jim Crow laws I went to a school for blacks only. Um, I remember going to a movie theater once in uh, Eufaula, Alabama, a little town not far from where the plantation was located, and black Americans had to sit in the balcony. We were not allowed to sit with white Americans. I was okay with that because we had a better view from the balcony. So <laughs> <laughs> as a kid, it didn't matter. But uh, I grew up on that. And so hey, now I, wait, that I could know, be, hey, wait, no, wait, that could be like your next book, A Better View. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> that's true, though. And, uh, and, uh, but I also knew that there were good, good white Americans and bad ones. Mm. And my grandparents always taught us that we should never hate anyone and to realize that there's good and evil in all groups of people. And so growing up, I, I saw some, you know, white folks who loved what was right and those who didn't, those who were for black Americans and those who were against. And we were never taught to hate, but to love and treat everybody the way we would like to be treated. You attribute that to your folks? I do. Because if anyone had a right to hate, and I have to add, there's never a time for hatred. There's never a time for anger. There's always a time for forgiveness mm. because in forgiveness, God can help you to, will help you to overcome any circumstance or situation in your life. But when you have anger, which is the nature of Satan, then you try, Satan is not going to help you out of it. He's just going to dig you deeper into it. Now, growing up in the environment that, you know, that was your world, how did you not forgive me if I'm not saying this politically the best way. No, How you just you not speak get... to me. Don't worry about being politically correct. I'm <laughs> well, not into that at all. I nor love am the I. truth. Yeah. But how did you not get pulled into what would be mainstream at the time? 
Well, I guess in Alabama, it wasn't, I mean, I, I, in some part, mostly in the city, uh, it was mainstream, but out on the plantation, in the rural areas, it were it was not mainstream. People didn't hate. The blacks I grew up with, uh, the ones that lived down the road from me, we, we were not into this thing of hating white people. And even when the civil rights movement uh, started, of which I participated, and I did some sit-ins, um, it wasn't about us hating anyone. Uh, and there were white people who were, were marching and sitting in with us. It wasn't just black people. So it was a given that it was uh, good and bad in all races. And I think the adult, not I think, I know because the adult set that example and you tend to follow whatever your parents are. And I've always said that there's no such thing as bad children, but bad parents. Mm. And back in those days, black Americans, for the most part, exceptions to the rule, they, they believed in God and they believed in the principles of God. They were known as a noble people for the most part. They have lost that now, but growing up, they had it. When, when the African-American population was centered around the church, was the center of your week. Is that yes, correct? That's right. And so you were there. It, was, it was, wasn't an hour like the white church I'm a part of, an hour event, and I'm out of here. Boy, I'm looking at my watch. <laughs> uh, it was a morning. There was probably a meal. You came back in the afternoon, or you yes. didn't even leave. You stayed all day. So you, you had a unique community in that traditional African-American culture. When does that start breaking down? where we, we move into, you know, that, that breaks apart. The family yeah. starts breaking apart. Entitlements start taking over. And you're right about the situ- how it was when I was growing up. Uh, it started to break down after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Um, um, during the civil rights era, he was assassinated, and Jesse Jackson and others uh, took over, and they took a message of love and forgiveness and character building and use and turn it into hate. They start to tell black Americans that white folks are against you. Things are really bad. They're trying to hold you back. And they encourage black Americans to start hating white folks rather than loving them so that you can overcome anything. And then the black preachers who hearts are felt uh, filled with hatred and anger toward white Americans as well. They start preaching that from the pulpit. And, it, you know, a lot of people trust their pastors and ministers and reverends. And the preacher was speaking the lie from the pulpit. The folks fell for it. And whatever you believe in a lie, it's hard to believe the truth. And it's hard to turn away from that lie. So it started right after Dr. King was assassinated and Jackson and others took over the movement. Perhaps it's a little bit of a hard turn, but where where does the African-American family start breaking down and essentially being a single parent? 99% mom, single parent home. When under Lyndon B. Johnson, when he came in and, and, and supported by the so-called civil rights leaders, and they said to black Americans that racism is keeping you down. We are going to help you. They're holding you back because of your color. We're going to give you food stamps and welfare programs and things like that. But you can't have a father in the home. And so many of black Americans said, yes, let's do that. They went for the free stuff removing the fathers away from their homes and the government becoming the daddy of the family. And that's when it really went to hell in a handbasket. And I have to tell you, the worst thing that can happen to a wife and children, and especially children, is to turn them away from their fathers. Mm. 
because whether we know it or not, admit it or not, see it or not, the father represent Christ in the home. He is the spiritual head and he provides in a physical way as well. But when you remove the light of the family away by taking the fathers out, they are now controlled by the darkness. And that's when it really, really starts to destroy black Americans. I remember watching, uh, I believe it was PBS, it may have been a Nova special many years ago, uh, W.A. Chriswell was uh, one of the people interviewed. A gentleman from the U.K. came over to study the American church, and he did an expose on the prosperity gospel on some of these large churches in a very disingenuous way. But he went down to Mendenhall, Mississippi, and he interviewed an African-American pastor down there, and what caught me, Jesse, was the book's on this pastor's shelves behind his head were the same commentaries and theological books that I used. Mm -hmm. And that kept me watching because this man had the same, let's just call it theological belt width bandwidth that I did. Yes. He agreed with, I mean, the books told the story. And so I was captivated listening to him talk about, it was an African small church, small community, other side of the tracks, you know the story. I do. And they were teaching uh, girls um, hygiene and how to keep from getting pregnant. And it yeah. was 90 plus percent moms, no no men. And he was that father figure you alluded to a moment ago. And I listened to him and, and the European, uh, rather the, uh, the British uh, interviewer asked him, he goes, why do you all vote Democrat? You all mean African community in mass. And he said, quote, because they're the party that helped my people. Uh, and a lot of black people believe that and feel that way. What they don't realize that the Democratic Party is the party that brought black Americans to their knees. At first with Lyndon B. Johnson offering them uh, government programs and taking the fathers away from their homes. They don't realize that when you don't have that father and someone else is taking care of you as the government is doing, you are now subject to whomever is taking care of you. And so now, 50, 60 years later, black Americans are subject to the Democratic Party. They live on the plantation of the Democratic Party because their ability to take care of themselves and to, and to be independent uh, have been, it's died out. They don't have that anymore because when you, someone else take care of you, you lose that desire to take care of yourself. So generation of generation after generation of black men and women are incapable of taking care of themselves because that has not developed within. Martin Luther King Jr. was a Republican up until that agreement was made to, uh, uh, by Lyndon B. Johnson and I guess the other guys that were negotiating the the agreement that uh, they were going to do this for black people. And that's when, from what I read, that's when he first crossed over into the Democratic Party. Mm. Interesting. When I worked for the, I worked for the government for one year between college and grad school, and um, there was a, a HUD, Housing and Urban Development, and a AFDC, uh, Aid to Family with Dependent Children program out of this office. And there were uh, African-American women, both single moms, who were sort of the admin of these different areas. And I got to know them and, and just befriend them, and uh, sweet, sweet women. And I remember one one day I came in and she was mounds of paper on her desk and she had her head in her hands crying. And I went over and asked her what was the matter. And, and she held up a file and she said, Michael, there is a single parent 
with three children. The youngest is uh, 19, the oldest is 21 in this home. And the amount of HUD they receive and AFDC they receive is more than my annual salary. Yep. That's right. And here she was, a single mom with two children trying to make it work with a good job. And she said, why should I stay working? <laughs> now, like I had the answers. It was rhetorical. But that illustrated to me, and I was, you know, just what one year out of college, so however old you are, 22, 3, going, my word. And, and that was my introduction to, quote, the system and how it, it's pretty appealing if I can make better than I can in an entry-level job. Uh, on those programs. And you have to have a strong sense of what is right. You have to have a strong character. You have to have a strong character in order to resist free stuff like that. You see these people getting all this money, and here you are getting up every morning and have to go out there and hustle for even less. It takes a lot to resist that. Mm -hmm. And so since the character of most black Americans have not been built in that strong manner, they are just subject to that free stuff. And it's been taught by their mothers, mostly mothers and grandmothers, and because the fathers are gone, it's been taught by, by them. You know what? The government is taking care of me. Look how much money I'm getting and what I can do. And, you know, so the, it's enticing the children, the next generations to do the same thing. I do want to tell you, Michael, that there is no such thing as racism. It has never existed and it doesn't exist today. And what we as children of God, if we are truly children of God, we have to realize that this idea that there is racism is a lie. The Bible tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities and wickedness in high places. And so our battle is a battle between good and evil, right versus wrong. I haven't met one person yet, and I've talked with skinheads and KKK members and even the black new black Panther party and others, they have never said, I hate white people or I hate black people because they are black. They find a fault with you. They find they can be jealous of you or they think you are doing better than they are. And, and they judge that fault that they find in you and they hate you for that. It is not about color, but what it is, you have the children of darkness who is blind and can't see. And they're saying that is uh, racism. And because the children of God, if they really are children of God, are cowards and they can't see what's going on, they go along with the lie that is racism. And so my question is, how will we ever resolve this problem if the children of the truth is going along with the children of the lie? We, we are supposed to know that it's spiritual and that we only fight it with the spirit, which is given to us by God to do. That's the only way we're going to do this. We have, uh, this country has catered to black people. They have given them everything that they wanted and more. They have uh, apologized. They, the schools and communities are integrated. And it's not resolving the problem at all. The problem is getting worse. We have a racist black president in the White House who has built, created an environment that white cops are against black people and now the cops are being killed. So as long as we fight a physical battle uh, mm. with physical, it's going to only get worse. But if we start fighting this thing with the spirit of God, then we can solve it. 
you can't be uh, real popular with a lot of mainstream uh, African American Democrats. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I'm racist for saying that. I know. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Um, but you, we can, we can't sound like we're supposed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Well, we can't be sounding like the darkness if we are the light. Okay, you're in a room full of white. Uh, Protestant, evangelical, fundamental, Bible-believing pastors. What are the top two, three things they need to hear? They need to hear first that it's a spiritual battle and not a physical one. They need to hear that they, they should love God with all their heart, soul, and might, along with nothing else. And then God would love them and show them the right way and give them the courage to stand up and fight the lie they need to know that black Americans are not getting the truth in their homes, in their schools, in their community, and in their churches. You even have people like T.D. Jakes, a part of house ministry out of uh, Houston, Texas, teaching a lie. You know, not telling the folks that okay. it's not racism. Let me interrupt you for just a second, Jesse, because you, I'm, I've just given the audience, and I'll put myself in that room. How in the world do I touch? Those are third rails for me to say. No, it's not. Not if you are a child of God. And if you are truly a child of God, then you would know that all who believe in him are brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's not based on color. I agree. I agree. But if if I, a white man, call out an African-American pastor for bad theology or teaching error or teaching racism, I'm toast. But... I mean, you, you're going to be attacked, and that's what evil is supposed to do. Evil job is to attack you because you're telling the truth, and it doesn't want the truth to, uh, to catch on because it's going to convince a lot of the people in the darkness that you are right and they've been lied to. And so it's supposed to attack you. But God said that if you're for him, who can be against you? And so you should be ready for that. I'm called every name in the book and then some. Uncle Tom, Uncle Ruckus, you hate your mama, you hate your daddy, you hate your color, you hate women, you hate this and that. But because I've been on the side of the fence of darkness, I see, I understand how they mm. think and that they can't see. And then one day God opened my eyes that I might see. And now I see the good and how we should fight the evil. All right. Let's talk about that. You, you alluded to it. So I want to give you the same context with an African-American audience, but you alluded to it when you changed. What was the change for you, Jesse? Well, long story short is that um, uh, when I was born, my, when my mother got pregnant with my father when they were, by my father when they were dating. And uh, my father didn't want to get married. And he said I wasn't his. And so she ended up marrying my stepfather before I was born because during those days, it was an embarrassment to have children out of wedlock. And so she didn't want to have me out of wedlock. So she married my stepfather and then I was born. Um, But she didn't want anything else to do with my father. And so when I would ask about my father, because as a kid, I had this longing inside of me for my dad. I knew I wanted my father and when I would ask her about him, she said, oh, he's no good. He doesn't love you. Forget about him. And I started to resent her for turning me away from my father because she seemed angry. And, you know, as a kid, I didn't know how to handle that. And, and as you know, when you become angry, you're resentful or you, you're judging. And when you judge, you become like what you judge. So I became just like my mother, very emotional and doubtful. 
And I thought my dad didn't love me. And my life just went to hell in a handbasket. Long story short, I moved to California. And, and as a young man, I had fear and doubt. I started to ask the black, black preachers, you know, and I told them my condition, how can I get over this? And they would say there was a white man. So mm-hmm. I started to hate white man, the white man. And when you, what you put out come back on you. And it just got worse. So one day I asked God to let me see myself. You know, I, I, w- I was going to church, reading the Bible, doing all those things that you're supposed to, they say you're supposed to do. And nothing was changing within me. So God allowed me to see that uh, I had this dark spirit inside of me. And at the time I was calling myself a Christian. And he, and it was shocking to see. It was like a darkness that you've never seen before. It, it's not the same darkness on earth. It's a different, it's a wicked darkness inside of anyone who has anger. So he allowed me to see that. And then he allowed me to see that it was because I resented my mother and my, mostly my mother, but my father for not being there, but mostly my mother. And when I saw that he caused me to forgive, he caused me to repent. Mm. And so I went, my mother came to California to visit her sister. I ran over there to apologize to her for hating her because God said, when you forgive others, he'll forgive you. So I got there and I told my mother what I just told you. I've always hated her because she was so mean and tried to turn me away from my father. And the worst thing that can happen to children, never mind the color, male or female, when you turn them away from their fathers, you turn them away from God. And because you can't love, you can't hate your father and love God. You struggle the rest of your life. Mm. And so when I forgave my mother, God forgave me. And he allowed me to see, he took away my anger, the spirit of anger, and I have perfect peace. That's how my life changed. Let's go back to this audience, this uh, imaginary audience. You're talking to a group of uh, African-American pastors, leaders uh, in different communities across the United States. Um, You're trying to explain to them entitlement versus seeing this through the life, uh, through, through the eyes of Christ. What are the top two, three things they need to hear from Jesse? They need to know that entitlement. First of all, they need to know that they need to love black Americans in the same manner they love their own families. And then when you love your family, you tell them the truth. You don't spoil them. You don't pretend that it's something that is not. You tell them the truth because you want them to be free and independent. So they need to love black Americans enough to tell them that entitlement is not good. No one owes you anything. You know, in this country, you're free to get up and have a life or not have one. And entitlement only spoils you and makes you angry and lazy and blaming other people for your problem. They need to tell them the truth about that. And then they need to tell them you got to get away from your false black preachers and your false black politicians you need to turn away from the government mm. and turn back to God. And when they turn back to God, God will guide them the rest of the way. Because right now, most black Americans are into their blackness. They're not into God. Now, they go to church, they read the Bible, they hoop and holler about Christ that they read about and hear about, but they don't know him. And so they need to turn back to him and know him, repent and know God and turn away from the leaders who are using their anger, who starts in the homes first with the black mothers and grandmothers. It's not the fathers who, who causes children to become angry. It's the mothers because the fathers are not even there to do it. 
the average kid would tell you, I don't, I miss my father. They, and unless they've been brainwashed to believe that they hate their fathers, because a lot of mothers teach their children to hate their father. And that's the mother's hate mm. instead of the child's hate. And so the children identify with the mother. And now they start to hate the father too. But I would tell the black preachers, they need to deal with that. Talk to black Americans about the order of the family, God in Christ, Christ in man, man over woman, woman over children. It's a spiritual order. It's not that one is better than the other. It's just the order of God. And when you break that order by removing the father, then hell can come in. What do we do with the anger and the vitriol of things like Black Lives Matter? We have to do the exact same thing that we would do with the skinheads or the KKK or the new Black Panther Party. We need to repudiate them. We need to rebuke them. If they commit a a break of law, they need to go to jail and be punished for that. They should not be validated or, or held up as a righteous organization because they're not. They're a hate group and they don't care about black lives because common sense people know that all lives matter. And if these people were of love, they would be saying that. All lives matter, including the unborn Mm. lives matter. Let's talk about Bond. In 1990, you started the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. Um, You had a vision to make a difference in L.A. and around the country. Uh, Yeah, Bond is the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. uh, And our purpose is to rebuild the family by rebuilding the man. What we are doing is getting men to... Uh, repent from their anger by forgiving their parents first and stop hating themselves. And when they repent for that, forgive, then they are able to turn back to God. And then God takes over again, because in, in your anger, you forget about God. You forget, you know, when we are children, we know the father, but when we fall to anger, we forget about the father and Satan become our father. We know him because we listen to his voice. We have his spirit and identity but God would take over and God would guide them with love so that they can love their wives in the way God loves them. Then they would get married and stay there no matter what the situation becomes. They are able to overcome it because they're guided by God. So we get them to overcome the anger. We help find jobs, start businesses. We have a private school now that we're in our third year, Bond Leadership Academy for boys, grades 1 through 12. Uh, once they stop hating their parents, they also stop hating white folks because they see that we're all dealing with the same thing, a spiritual mm-hmm. battle. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we have a radio show that we do. We start a TV show. I write books and, and speak around the country about these issues to all types of groups and churches and organizations. But we're getting these men to, we educate them if they have not finished high school. We help them through. But now that we have our own, they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to our school. But, and we have done this, I'm proud to tell you, for 25 years without one dying from the government, because I believe the less government in your life, the better off you are. And it's folks like you and others who are helping us to help others. They donate to the organization, they pray for us, uh, uh, they volunteer their time, and the people that we're helping, they do the same thing. They donate their time and money, they do whatever they can to help us to help others. Now, you wrote a book called Scam, How the Black Leadership Exploits Black America from Race Responsibility. And you're about to come out with a new book called The Antidote. That's right. I'm, I'm, you know, 
I'm really excited about this book in that the antidote is given to me by God. It's a book that I wanted to write for a long time now because we focus on the things that you and I have spoke of right now, starting with the spirituality of what happened, the spirit of what happens in the homes and where that anger starts first in the homes. And instead of the, the, the traitors, instead of the children of Satan telling black people that they need to forgive their parents so that they can overcome that anger, people like, you know, the civil rights movement, the liberals and the children of darkness, they take that anger and build on it by telling them that it's white people, it's racism, it's the cops, it's this and that. And then black people are falling for it. Now they are subject to these traitors, these hypocrites, and these hypocrites are using black Americans to gain power and wealth. They are not using black Americans to help black Americans. They're using them, but the blacks can't see it because when you're angry, you cannot see the truth. Mm. And if we can, when we get them to wake up by turning back to God, automatically they start to see that they'd be used by their own people. Just wait until you read this book and read about the folks who are leading black people. They are going their life as children were messed up. Their parents' lives were messed up. They're filled with anger. I mean, it's a real mess. And it's for all people. It's not a political book. Anyone with a heart will be able to relate to this book, and they're going to overcome their issues. And if you go to bondinfo.org, B-O-N-D-info, one word, bondinfo.org, you can pre-order Jesse's book. Uh, Jesse Lee Peterson, it's been a privilege to talk to you. Thanks for your time today and uh, blessings on your labors, on your schedule, and on the, the work that God's given you to do. Thank you, sir. All right, blessings buddy. on you. And I always, always love catching you on the news. Oh, thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Michael Easley in Context. Subscribe to our newsletter for the latest news and information. This is Michael Easley in Context. Don't let the world teach you theology.